Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities. And as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Woo! Somebody give a big shout to Jesus! Wow. Wow. Oh my God. I see a lot of beautiful people in the house. I see some quiet people in the house. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Can I just pray for us as we start? Yeah, Lord, we are just full of joy. We thank you that joy is the fruit of the Spirit. It is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is in this room. And I thank you, Lord, for the the gift, the fruit that is in our lives, that, Lord, we can enjoy you, we can enjoy each other, we can be in a place where we are fed by you. We love you, Jesus. I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad you you found me. I'm so glad you loved me. I'm so glad you chose me. I'm so glad that I'm nothing without you. I'm so glad that better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'm so glad that I'd rather be in God's house than anywhere else right now. And I'm so glad for God's family. And so, Father, even as we come into your presence now, we just want to say we love you, Lord. Come on, somebody just say to your Father, we love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad I'm your son. I'm so glad I'm your daughter. I'm so glad you've called me. I could be somewhere. I could be anywhere. But I'm here. You chose for me to be here. And so I'm so grateful, Lord. And Father, I pray that, Lord, the joy that is in this house will be manifest. It will not just be emotion. It will be encounter. That Holy Spirit, you will come and that Lord, your people will encounter you in this place. And that Lord, none of us is going to leave today the same as we came in. And so we love you, Jesus. And we just commit ourselves to you now. We just put ourselves on the altar and we say, come and have your way, Lord. Come and have your way. This is about you, Lord. We are surrendered to you. We're surrendered to you. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Amen. Wow. Jesus, you're the one I follow. I give you my today, tomorrow. Forever, Lord, I promise to take my cross. Let's just say that to Jesus right now. This is not just a song. Jesus, you're the one I follow. Give you my today give you my today to oh forever forever lord i promise to take my cross and for i'll take my cross i'll take my cross i'll take my cross i'll take my cross oh somebody give glory to jesus right now lord we bless you this is what we're gonna do Give your neighbor a high five. Tell them, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. What a joy to be in God's house. What an amazing joy to be in God's house.
Wow. 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 <laughs> Amen. Please have your seats. Wow. Oh, wow. I love you too, man. Thank you, guys. Wow. Oh, my goodness. We're so grateful. We're so grateful to Worship Harvest for hosting us. Uh, as Mavuno Church, as your relatives, we're glad to be in the house of God today. We feel, we feel the love by Worship Harvest. Uh, and I'm grateful that I, I think today, this is probably the largest group that has come from Mavuno Church. Any Mavuno people in the house? Come on, make some noise. Yes. Come on. So good. So good. All right. All right. You need to be nice to our, our guests. <laughs> Any worship harvest people in the house? Oh yeah! <laughs> I love it! Come on, come on, come on, come on! Amen. We love you. So grateful. So, so good. Amen. Every one of you, we are so grateful. All our pastors from many different churches, so grateful. What a joy to be in God's house. I want to say a big, big thank you to the apostle of this house, Apostle Moses Mokisa, Revma, Pastor Ari. We bless God for you. Thank you for the friendship you've shown us over the years. Come on, let's give a, a bigger shout for our apostle. Amen. We honor you. We bless God for you. We thank God for you. Amen. Thank you so much for helping me honor uh, people who are worthy of honor. I also want to honor one of the best. By the way, I was so excited when I heard Pastor Lincoln was in the house. Uh, this is somebody that I, I don't know, in the short time we've known each other, he's just become one. My team can tell you I talk about him a lot. Uh, I don't know what, God has just given him an ability to string the words together. And sometimes you think, I don't believe I've ever taught that before. Because you've taught it, but it never sounded like that. And so I just want to say, what a joy to have Pastor Lincoln in the house. So blessed by you, sir. You have been such an incredible blessing. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And of course, I mean, one of the people that I'm so blessed by is this man, Apostle Moses Kalanzi. Always an honor to be with him. Uh, Pastor Chirabo, uh, it's such a joy. We're actually coming to Mpiji on Monday. I hope you're ready for us because we are ready. Are we ready, Mabuno? We are ready. We are ready. We are ready. Uh, we're looking forward to. I've told them so much about Mpiji. Uh, so we're coming with just hearts open wide, just ready for whatever Jesus has for us. Uh, we're so excited. Uh, Pastor, I think my new friend, Pastor Isaac, Dr. Isaac, what? What? Did you guys, anybody who was here yesterday and had this doctor share, I was like, what was I doing when I was at that age? Any, like, what were you doing when you were that age? Let's just appreciate this man of God, an incredible man of God. I loved your story. Um, I loved your story. My goodness, this, this is such a great, it's such a loaded conference. Um, Pastor Grace, uh, what? What? You know, Pastor Grace, I studied biochemistry, but it never sounded like that. If the teacher taught like that, I think I might have continued studying that subject. 
What a great, I mean, we have made a commitment that that's going to become one of our youth training modules. We're going to take that video, we're going to teach it over the years. What you taught is going to be taught at Mavuno Church. Uh, what a powerful word. What, what a word. Hey, come on, somebody, some dopamine in the house, somebody. <laughs> oh my goodness. Someone said, I thought it was the Holy Spirit. It's dopamine. No, the Holy Spirit uses dopamine. Come on, somebody. Oh yeah. He's the one who made you. He's the incredible. He made you. This chemical factory that's in your mind, it was created by the Holy Spirit. And it's so amazing. I love it when scientists come and teach the Word of God because you begin to understand there's no gap between science and the Word of God. He's the one who made it all. And I just loved learning. You are teaching us the Word. You are teaching us the Word. You're showing us a picture of the brain. That's as good as showing us the book of Genesis. Because in the beginning, God spoke and it came to be. You begin to understand how powerful our God is. The, the Word became flesh. Became the brain. Come on. Aish. Pastor B3. <laughs> what, what shall I render? Oh my gosh. You know, that, that message uh, is going to be played in ev- to every discipleship group leader in Mavuno Church has to watch that message. That is an incredible word. And I think it's a timeless word. I think this is one of those classics. You know, you put it there and you're like, in the years to come, you will watch Pastor B3 teach about the heart of a shepherd. I've taught it before, but I I don't think it came out like that. In fact, I don't think it came out. (laughs) I was like, that is what I was trying to tell them. Come on, somebody. So good. So, so, so good. Wow. Wow. Like, this has just been an amazing, amazing time. I feel like my job is just to wrap up this conference. Pastor Kuria, whenever you speak, I'm like, how is that guy a Mavuno pastor? How is it that he works? I don't understand. God has given you such an ability to just teach the word, grasp it. Yeah. And I've heard you talk about media many times, but every time you speak, I confess again and I repent again. It's like, okay, Lord, help me. <laughs> wow. Hey, let's just sit, please. I think uh, we could be here a long time. You know, I always, get the, I always get thrown off when I come on this stage. I don't know. There's something in this house that just, that just makes me get thrown off. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, okay. My sweetie. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and a few, I mean, I mean, I think it was Pastor Grace who said that at a certain age, at a certain age, I mean, he talked about how few people re- resonated with that age. At a certain age, when you say you love your wife, it's not a romantic word. It is a statement of fact. It is tried and tested and true. I love this woman with all my heart. Everything of mine is hers. And we did, I mean, she, she rescued me out yesterday. Um, I was, I was Apmo asked me to do a, a, a breakout. And I did one of those things I used to do my, to my pastor those days. 
in the middle of the night I texted him I said Apmo I don't have inspiration I'm tired please excuse me I don't want to do it I don't know why he whether he talked to my pastor did you ever talk to bishop Oscar because you told me exactly what you used to tell me he told me you'll still do it uh we'll just pray for you I was so stressed but my wife said let's do it together and she as usual rescued me um And let me just say I told this to the people who came to the workshop yesterday. I say to them, I when we were young, we made a commitment that we would never spend more than 3 weeks apart in our life. This is a commitment we've made unless Jesus himself tells us to and he has never told us to. Because what the Lord has put together even the Lord does not put asunder. And and I can say today that even a week apart from this woman is misery for me. It's misery, absolute misery. Actually even 2 days away from her is misery for me. So if you want to invite me to speak in your church just invite her also because that's the only way I'm going to come. Yeah, it's the only way I'm going to come. And so I love you sweetie. Uh it's thank you for being here with me and being my friend. Yeah. Everything I teach she has had an influence over. And so I always stand here on behalf of both of us. So amen. Now you can sit. Amen. <laughs> oh you're already sitting. <laughs> oh. Two lights. Ah, you guys, seriously, two lights. Two lights. <laughs> two lights. Ah, new era. Koki gali. G Give me a D. No, go back to G. Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, the other picks him up. But pity the man without a friend. She's the one for me. Amen. Now you can go to your seats and sit. Allow me to preach the word. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Come on somebody. Apmo <laughs> said you better marry a husband who can sing. So I repented. I still late for you. At least he can take photos and he can dance. Your husband can dance. <laughs> wow, give your neighbor a high five tell him I'm so glad we're in God's house. Yeah, God's house is a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. I tell you worship harvest just throws me off. I don't know what happens whenever I come to this place. Wow, I I I'm supposed to be speak well, our theme is living on mission every day. Every day. And I don't know, I I I I really want to speak about what helped me live on mission because my whole life I've lived on mission. I didn't know this when I got saved that you're supposed to live on mission every day. I thought salvation was fire insurance, spiritual fire insurance. And they used to have this play that one of our big churches would bring to the city 
some of the people in Nairobi might be old enough. I think these guys all look young, but Pastor Kuria looks old enough to remember. Uh, it was called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Fire. Ha! <laughs> and every time they brought that play, oh my God, the same, like you just run to the front even before the altar call is made and give your life to, to, to because you wanted to avoid have the hell's fires. And I didn't want to go to hell. Um, I gave my life to Jesus and I felt safe. I felt saved, uh, saved from fire, saved to now wait for heaven, saved to do the thing that God, like, like, like to wait for the day that the sweet by and by comes. But in the meantime, Saved to do the thing I really wanted to do. Saved to become a rich pharmacist. Saved to make a lot of money. Saved to have a good family and to have amazing children. Saved to have a great life and become rich and famous. Saved to wait until the day I died and then I went to heaven. That's what I thought it was about. And it was an accidental discovery for me. And some of you have heard me tell this story. It was completely accidental. I'm so sad it was accidental. I'm so sad nobody taught me this earlier. But I'm so glad on the other side that I learned it when I learned it. Um, so I was, I was uh, out of college, uh, came and became a mover and shaker in the church that I was going to. I love those movers and shakers. I became one of them in our church with Pastor Oscar. And my wife was in that team as well. Um, and and uh, it wasn't a coincidence uh, that she was on the team. Uh, actually, I joined the team because she was on the team. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I joined the team because uh, my pastor asked me to join and I said, I'll pray about it. And you know this story. Whenever you tell the pastor, I'll pray about it, you're not planning to do it. I had no plan to do it. And then he asked my girlfriend, she didn't say, she didn't, she didn't pray, she just said yes. And then I was so mad at her because we had just finished college and I thought we were going to go and do our master's degrees together. I had this plan in my life. I was this, I'm a planner. Any planners in the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a planner and I like to know how things are going to be. Uh, like, like not, you don't just do things randomly. Any random people in the house? Don't put up your hand, please. You don't do things randomly. You have to have a plan. So I had a plan and we we're going to go and study and I'd been accepted to, uh, at a prestigious university, UCLA, to study pharmacy. Which this was my big thing. We both studied biochemistry in university. And so it was my thing. You know, we're going we're to go and do this. And my thought was, after we study, I mean, she wanted to study something different. But when we finished our studies, uh, I had this thing hatched out for, um, you know, we'll come back. And then we'll make money. I'll be making money in the meantime. Then at 30 years old, I don't know why 30 was important. But it was also the time I thought I'd have made a million shillings. Those days, a million Kenya shillings was a lot of money. And I thought by then, I'll have up my first million. We'll get married. We have our two children, our picket fence, our dog, and we have our good life. You know, it was, it was this plan, you know. And, 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 and then my pastor asks her, and she says yes. And that completely destabilized my plan. I actually considered the thought of maybe I should go let her do this internship at the church for a year and then come back and then we hook up after my degree. But it was a very dicey thing because I'd seen some people try long distance and I knew there was no guarantee. Already there's one or two guys who had tried to do some inroads uh, and to, to try and give her, make her some funny promises. Very shady looking guys and I was not impressed by any of them. <laughs> 
And so I, I actually, at my young, in my young life, I actually sat down and I had a meeting with myself. I said, self, the risk is that I might come back with a master's and no missus. <laughs> so I said, this is not tolerable. I need to actually, I actually sat down and I counted the cost. I said, I'm going to be in this program to make sure I deliver this girl so that we go to do our master's together. So I actually, when my pastor came and said, uh, actually, I went to the pastor this time. I said, pastor, I prayed about it. I sense my heart is now open. Uh, the season is right for me to do internship. It was really about her. Had nothing to do with the pastor. So I did the year. And uh, in the middle of that year, one of the things we had to do was do a short-term trip, uh, take some students to a mission trip uh, up country. So we went with my sweetheart. Uh, and, and it was very interesting because in that time is the time God first spoke to me in the way that just changed my life forever. I was saved, but I didn't understand what I'm about to teach you. I didn't understand anything about this. What I want to talk about is no surrender, no mission. We're talking about living on mission every day. But you need to understand this thing, that no surrender, no mission. So this guy, um, the, the leader of the place we're in, these guys were incredible missionaries. Many of them were people who were medical people. They had given up their careers. They had, they had gone to this frontier, north part of our country, dangerous area to, to serve among Muslim communities. And so we are with them. I mean, very impressive people. One day they say we're doing fasting the whole day. We had, I'd never fasted a whole day. Um, and it was such a big shock for me. I wondered, what, why do you need to fast the whole day? God could have had you. I can fast breakfast, surely. I mean, uh, and, and, but they said, we're doing it all the way till six. Uh, we're not eating anything. And they said, it's a time for you to surrender, give up everything that has been holding you back. Anything that would hold you back from following Jesus, surrender that thing. And so I did that. I mean, I said, okay, I'm going to pray. I thought I'm tw at 22. I was 22. And I said, that roughly, I own nothing. <laughs> I was still, I just graduated from college. So when I did my analysis, I said, roughly, I don't own a lot. So the idea of staying up till six, praying about things that I don't own to surrender doesn't make sense. So what I planned was I'm going to sit somewhere in the corner and I'm going to say my quick, um, I'm going to do my quick prayers. When nobody's noticing and I've finished, I'll sneak out, I'll, do a, I'll pretend I'm doing a prayer walk, but I'll actually just go and tour the city that we're in. And I did that. I went and sat somewhere a bit far and I started listing all the things that could hold me back from following Jesus. I'm going to do, a, I, I, I was serious. I wanted to actually obey. I didn't want to disobey, but I just thought I don't have a lot of things to list. But it's interesting, as I started listing, it's like I just started remembering stuff. It wasn't just about the things that I had. I thought about the things I had. And of course, God wants you to surrender the things that you have. But I began to think about the things that I am. Because my identity is something precious to me. Uh, my identity is everything I see myself as. And so I began to list all the identity areas in my life. I was a rugby player at the time, so I was, a, I, was, I was famous. And for young people, fame is important. We didn't have social media then. I'm so glad because I think it would just have destroyed my mind. Uh, the people who followed me, the people who liked me, the, the ideas they had about me, those were important things to me. I began to write the place I had in my family as a son. I began to write the intellect God had given me, some of the qualities that were not possessions. And it's just like I just wrote them down. And then I realized it's not just about what you are. It's also about what you hope to be. God is interested in what you hope to be. And I began to realize, my goodness, there there was a mess. Because I had many plans. Remember, I was a planner. Any planners in the house? 
Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I had plans. I had planned how I was going to become rich. I had planned what career I was going to enter into. I had planned the things I wanted to do with my life. And I, all those things, I wrote them down. And then I began to pray. And when I began to pray, I believe that's my first tangible encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because I'd never had anything like that happen. Uh, the minute I started to pray, I, could, I couldn't do a quick prayer. All of a sudden, I realized this little thing I'm giving up, it's actually giving up. Like, I'll never see it again. It's not mine. Ownership is about to be priced off this thing that was so precious to me. And so I took a pause and I decided to reorganize the list from the least important to the most important. I thought some things are easier to get rid of than others. And so I did my list, put my list, and then I began to pray the surrender prayer. Dear Jesus, you gave me this thing. It's yours. Should you ever take it away from me, I give it up, even before then. From today, I no longer own it. I give it to you. And I finished, and I went to the next thing, and the next. At some point, without even being conscious of it, I just started crying. It became a painful exercise. I began to realize that God was prizing off things that had shaped who I thought I was. Things that had shaped my self-identity all my life until this point. Everything that had shaped me to like I was giving up one thing after the other. And some of them were really painful. I'd always thought I'd be rich. Everybody in my class knew. I was, if you ask my classmates, they all knew this guy is a rich, he's going to be rich. In college, I, I, was, a, I was one of those hustlers in college. Um, my wife... Uh, I think to inspire my kids tells them the stories of how when I was in when we got married um, <laughs> the furniture in our house the plates in our house our fast fridge all those I bought with money I made as a college student because I whenever would be given with the government would give us a little allowance people would blow their allowance I would trade with mine and so I ran businesses and I was actually very wealthy as a young man and so people knew this guy is going to be a millionaire really easily and one of the things I had to give up is to say to God, God, if I ever become poor because you will it, so be it. Eish. It was a painful one for me. You know, as Africans, poverty is not romantic. Uh-uh. Have, have you ever noticed when you talk to your friends from other countries, they talk about when we go camping and we go to rustic places... And we slip out in the, in, the, in the wild, in the woods, in a cabin in the woods. Then they ask you, where do you like to go? You're like, woods, that's where my grandfather was the other day. We are running away from poverty. You can smell it here. You're running. The last thing you want to do is give up and, and say, I could be poor. The whole idea of our educating our children is that they don't become poor. Like the so it was like, Lord, I, I give this up. And there are tears streaming down my eyes. And, 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 and I reached the place where I gave up my position as a son. I said, if my parents die when I'm young, I love them with all my heart. Lord, take them. I will serve you anyway. I got to the hardest point. I said, Lord, my girlfriend, this one I've aligned my whole life to. The one I'm, I'm even in this program for. <laughs> Tomorrow, if we break up because that's what you asked me to do, she's yours. And I completely gave up. And you know, it was so interesting. Um, I'm, I'm in the middle of all this very intense and I get to the last point on my list 
and somebody just stops me and says, we've been looking for you. Where have you been the whole day? And it was past six o'clock and everybody was at dinner and I was the last one. They hadn't found me. A whole day had gone without me understanding what was going on. That was my first real encounter, I believe, apart from salvation with the Holy Spirit of God. You know, I walked out of that room. I felt so poor. I felt poor. Like, honestly, even the clothes I was wearing, I knew were not mine. I could come out and the Lord tells me, strip and give these clothes to a beggar. And that's his, they're his clothes. Because I've just made that commitment. And I'm that person. If I make a commitment, it is done. And I knew it's gone. So I felt so poor. And I felt like even my ambitions, I have no right to, I don't have ambitions. It's like, God, tell me what your ambition for my life is. But here's the funny thing that happened from that day. The, the weird thing. For the first time, as I walked out, it's like I became conscious I had no fear. Fear had left my life. You know, dead people don't feel fear. What can I fear? If you come to take something of mine, it doesn't belong to me. It has an owner. He can defend it. If you come to take my body, it doesn't belong to me. It has an owner. When I gave up everything, I lost fear. I used to fear that I would die. In fact, I think I got saved because at 16 I had an accident. And I was so scared that I almost died. Because for about, like, it, was, it almost felt like a space of a minute. The car was just rolling over and over. And I was sure when that car opened, I'd be in hell. Because my parents had taught me the gospel. So I knew, I'm not saved. And I was not even thinking, let me get saved. I was thinking, oh my God, it's too late. Like, so I didn't want to go to hell. But you know, it's interesting. I was afraid of dying. But from that point on, lost all fear. So guess what? I'm not afraid. Even of you. As serious as you're looking right now, I'm not afraid of you. Nothing intimidates me. My wife will tell you, it's a very strange thing. It's not even a thing of, I try and have courage. I just don't have fear. Because I know if I goof up, it's the Lord who put me on this stage. I live for him. I have no fear. So that happened in an instant. Something that had plagued me for years just went like this. The next thing that happened is I began to hear God's voice. I'd, never, I'd always heard people saying, oh, I heard God's voice. And I'm wondering, did he talk to you like, like how I'm talking to you? Did he shout? Did you see a vision? Did an angel come? What, how did he speak to you? Like I used to really wonder, did he call you? Like how? But it's interesting. God began to speak very tangibly and very audibly. The first thing he told me, you want to tell, can I tell you what the first thing he told me? Remember, I've given up all those things. The first thing he told me is, by the way, Moravi, you will never be a rich pharmacist. So he just told me, just give up that dream. And then he told me, number two, you will be a pastor. <laughs> the thing I feared had happened to me. And then number three, very surprising, number three will shock you. He said, marry that girl. I'm like, okay, this one's a big one. Like, I don't know, somehow I didn't struggle with the first two. But with marry the girl, I'm like, but Lord, I'm broke. Remember, I'm staying in my father's house. I've just graduated. I don't have a job yet. I'm an intern in a church. I don't have even, I mean, I've got my hustles and my savings, but that's it. Where do I take her? How will I even convince my father that, you know, my... Men, African men, you know what I'm talking about. 
Who, where are you taking someone's daughter? I was like, how, even her father, how will I convince? So I had all these things and I refused. I said, God, that one I don't think is from you because it doesn't make sense. I was 22, like I said. So I was like, this doesn't make sense. Actually, I was just turning 23. And, and the Lord said, marry her. And, and, and I remember from that time on, it became a very comical conversation. Because I'd be sitting in the word, I'd be reading, having my quiet time. I say to God, I wake up and the first thought I have is, but I'm broke. And I don't have money. I mean, how am I supposed to marry her? The first time I ever read Jeremiah 29, 11, I just said that. And then I open the scripture and it says, but I know the plans I have for you. Declare, ah, what is this? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. And that's the first time I ever, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. And I'm like, really? Actually, I, I remember I, I actually physically dropped the Bible. Then I picked it up. I said, that's in the Bible. Then I said, no, it can't be. So it actually took me, that's the one. It took me six months to obey that instruction. Um, it's just, it's not that I didn't love the girl. Remember, it's because I didn't feel we were ready. So I went on a short-term mission again to Swaziland this time. And I think God needed to get me in a place where he, I could be convinced. Because it's like, I've talked to you now, but you need to hear me. And he took me to a church that I'd never been part of. And I served in that church for three months. Um, it's a church where I was the only one from Nairobi in that church. And it was just an experience, a mission experience. Our pastor believed in just throwing us in the deep end. So he had about a team that was going to Swaziland with one of his friends, our partner churches. He says, take this one. And he sent, he sent me and one other lady from the team. And she was sent to a different part, a different city. I was sent to a different city. So my partner was an American and then we are surrounded by these Swazis. And it took me a while because their culture was so different. Nobody knew anything about me. One day, a lady comes up and she's a prophet in the church. I'd never met a prophet. And she says, now, God has been talking to you, young man. Marry her. Say, ah. And then he says, and this is how I know God loves me. He, she began to say, this is why God wants you to marry her urgently. And he began to tell me what our marriage would be like. How many people would be blessed by that marriage? How the children will have. He, he actually, she actually told us how the children we have would be blessed by us and will become a blessing to their generation. And she went on to just say things. And I remember just sitting there in a daze. That day I made my decision. Okay, Lord, I will never disobey anything you tell me. I came and asked. Well, I didn't just ask her to marry me. You have to have game even if the Lord has spoken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't just show up and say, sister, sister, I fear the Lord. He said, no, you still have to have a bit of game. So I, I, I knew. And then it was very fashionable in those days for ladies in the Christian circles when they were asked because all of them would share their testimonies. When their husband asked them, will you marry me? It was very fashionable to say, I need to pray about it. And remember, I'm not that, I don't like being told prayer about Because I know what prayer about it usually. I know how, I, for me, when I say, well, I want to pray, what, what that means. So I went and decided, I don't want to hear prayer about it. By the time the question comes, the woman has to be ready. So when I just landed from Swaziland, she's missed me. And... Uh, and uh, she's happy to see me. Um, I took her out. Um, and, and what I told her is, today is your day. And we're going to have seven dates with seven gifts. 
<laughs> so so over that day I'll take her to a date and I'll tell her are you ready for your gift after we've had coffee or whatever it is yes thank you write notes and 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 yeah she would actually she'd open the gift you could see she was so excited like as the gifts went on she became more and more happy it was amazing finally dinner at a nice uh, members club a friend of ours a family friend i got him to to sign us in so we're sitting at this dinner and of course you know what the last gift is and 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 um and i and i say I'm ready to give you the last gift. And she's so excited like I can't wait for this last gift. And then this is a funny part. I know she's laughing cuz she's remembering what happened next. For the first time in my life, the words went. <laughs> so so I'm here saying will will So, so I eventually, what did I ask you? I said, can we spend life together? I think it just came out like, ah. and I think the poor girl by then had figured out what I was trying to say. So she said, yes. And this April will be our 30th year together by God's grace. What a joy. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you, following Jesus, hearing God's word, that's what it took was just for me to surrender my life. and i could hear his word you know my whole life nobody taught me that you're supposed to surrender in this relationship i thought because christians would say so and so i'm so and so you told me your parents were also in east africa revival like mine and and they would say i'm so and so jesus is my lord and savior and that thing lord and savior those two things were different for me i knew savior is for me i thought lord is for pastors surrender that surrender thing how many people have ever known like if you surrender like you you have to be careful how much you surrender yeah like if i surrender god might take away stuff so i always feared like i want to just live a safe life where i'm in the zone of blessing but not the the zone of requirement you know you want you want to be in a place where god god can bless you but not enough that he notices you enough to send you to somalia you know what i'm talking about it's like there's some people god loves too much and it's like i don't want to be those ones i'm happy to be in the zone where there's overflow but don't put me in the center there too much attention and so i thought this is i thought this is what this is what it's meant to be nobody taught me nobody taught me you know one thing i've come to realize is that surrender it is essential for a christian there is no such thing as a savior who's not a lord if jesus is not your lord he is not your savior And it's such a critical thing because many Christians today don't know that. They think like I did that I can be saved, go to church, do those things in church, but then live my life with my money and my car and my children and my things. And we don't realize it's not actually an option. You don't understand what you are doing. And so so today I want to just share with you something that was so interesting because as Pastor Kure says we read through the New Testament as a church. 
uh, we're reading through as a church. And this year, I noticed something I'd never noticed before. It was such a strange realization for me. I realized, I realized that Jesus had intense conversations with people. I used to, I mean, I've always seen the conversations. I've, I've known the I've read the scripture, by the way, since that year. I've read every year, I've read through the Bible. Um, so I've read through the Bible many, many times, maybe over 25 times. I've read through the New Testament many times. But somehow, how many of you know something? The, the longer you know God, the more you know about Him. It's like that you get deeper and deeper in your knowledge. The more you read it, you see something you had read before and it, you, you're like, how come I never saw this? And I began to see some things that were so, so powerful. So sit down for a minute because I want to tell you some of the things I learned that have been amazing for me. And that they, they have become, how would I put it? I, I often saw things happen in my life and I thought that I received that favor because God had randomly given it to me. I didn't actually realize that the favor that I've experienced is actually normative, that every Christian is expected to experience it. And everybody I was discipling was expected to experience it. And the reason I didn't understand is because I didn't understand the importance of that thing that is called surrender. As I went through the scripture, one of the things that I've come to realize is Jesus didn't come to make us nice Christians. He didn't come to make us church-going Christians. He came to demand our surrender. That's the very reason Jesus came to earth. He came to demand our surrender. Because from the Garden of Eden, we, the sin of Adam and Eve was rebellion. It was rebellion. It all, always seemed strange to me that there were, it was such a huge punishment that God gave them. He cast them out of the Garden of Eden. Like who does that? You don't cast your children out of the house when you catch them eating sugar. When you catch them eating daddy's apple. That's how it sounded like to me. Did you guys ever have daddy's seat? Anybody who had like daddy's, daddy's plate? Even maybe daddy's food. There are some things you don't touch. Ah, Africans, you know what I'm talking about. There are some things that are just like, this, are, this is daddy's thing. Um, I wish my children knew what that means. Because us guys, we had such... Nowadays, we have in our family, we have what we call the family ghost. Family ghost is when daddy's apple has been eaten. And it's like, it wasn't me. And you're like, we are only five of us in this house. Surely, one of us must know. And it's not my wife or I. So we, have, we ended up coming up with this thing we call the family ghost. We are convinced there's a family ghost that eats things that they're not supposed to. This was when our kids were younger. But, but, but you know, I, it was so strange to me that you'd punish people for eating an apple. That's the kind of picture I had from Sunday school. Like they ate the apple and then they were punished. But that was not what was at question here. What was at question is that Satan had led a rebellion in heaven. And Satan was a worship pastor. He was full of glory. He was amazing in, his, in, in all the grandeur. He was probably the most amazing creature God had ever made. There was no evil in him. He was perfect in every way. And then Satan began to feel that, hey, why? why? And he, this is a big danger, by the way, for worship pastors. Anybody who leads worship or even stands up on stage like this, it's a huge temptation. Because what happens is when you stand on a stage like this, you see God's glory go through you, past you into God's people. And so it's very easy for us who are worship pastors, 
for us who are preachers, for us who are on stage, to start to think it's my gift that is causing the impact that I'm seeing. And, to, and, and that's what happened to Satan. He, it, it got twisted in his head. And he began to feel, I, I can do things. Why aren't they listening to me as well? By the way, that was an amazing service in heaven, but I'm the one who created the ambience. That service succeeded because of my planning. If it wasn't for me, I don't think I get the credit, enough credit for the things I do in this, in this place. And he began to have conversations with some of his co-worship leaders. And he began to turn their hearts against God. And the Bible says a full third of the angels of heaven rebelled against their maker. I always say to, it's interesting, in a typical church, the worship and singing part is about a third of the service. So I always tell worship pastors, be careful. Be careful. When your pastor elevates you and gives you a third of the service to carry, understand that that is a trust. Satan didn't. And so God cast him down. But it's very interesting because God then comes to create Adam and Eve. And he creates them in the same place that he puts Satan in. Like, isn't that a crazy thing to do? Like you've created this super powerful being. This incredible angel. This huge thing. I mean, if you ever see what happens to people in the Bible when they see an angel, they become paralyzed. Angels are, they're dreadful, they're huge, they're powerful. And then when it rebels against you, you, it, you cast it down. And then you create out of clay some frail human beings. And then you breathe your life into them. And then you put them in the same planet. It feels very scary for God to do that. And then guess what? You give them dominion over the planet that Satan is in. But I believe that God is doing something very powerful in the word. It says that out of the mouths of babes and infants, he has ordained praise to silence the foe and the avenger. You are created to silence the foe and the, foe and the avenger. God's glory in you is supposed to put Satan down. The Bible says the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath our feet. So you are created to have dominion on the earth. So Adam and Eve, with all this incredible responsibility, guess what they do? The first opportunity they have, they join the one third of the angels in rebellion. That's context for what actually happens in the Garden of Eden. And God in his love decides not to destroy them, but he removes them from Eden. And then Jesus, the whole story of the Old Testament is God creating the environment to save. Because God is done with humans. I mean, he's such a good God. He could have given up on us immediately, but he, just, he fights for us. There's a song that some people criticize the theology, but I completely get it. It says, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It's re it, it feels almost reckless. It's like, how do you pursue rebels? How do you come and seek them? How do you come as a son of man? Give your, put your whole body, the, the Godhead enters into a human body to die for the sake of these ones. It almost feels reckless, but that's what he does. And Jesus comes on earth to destroy the rebellion of the enemy and to put back the keys of authority in our hands. So guess what? Why is surrender not an option? Because it's a complete reason Jesus came. The whole culture that we live in in East Africa is a culture of individualism. 
It's a culture of nobody tells me what to do. It's a culture of I'm my own person. It's a Luciferian culture. Yeah. It's a, by the way, I always look at, I look at it in, 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 in amazement because that's how I was. <laughs> that was my culture. That's who I am as a natural person. I'm Luciferian. I don't like being told what to do. I like being, I think for myself. That's what Lucifer does. He specializes in that. And so Jesus comes to crush that rebellion and to restore us back to a place of authority where we follow our master. This thing you're being taught in your MC, in your DG, to follow, it's the reason Jesus died. It's why he came. It's not an option. It's not a style. It's not a, 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 a new thing that's happening in the church now for the next few years. It's not, it's not a fad. This is actually why Jesus came. And so in his conversations with Jesus, the thing I noticed this year is every conversation he had with people, he actually talked about this issue. Whenever he met people, he talked about this. I'd never noticed it. All his sermons, it tells us that Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. Kingdom. What does kingdom mean? It means that there's a king and you're not him. <laughs> That's what it meant. The people in Jesus' time, they understood how subversive that message was. That's why they crucified him. I think many times we don't understand it. That's why we get saved without any intention of surrender. Because we don't understand what the message of the kingdom is. The message of the kingdom is there's one king and you're not it. There's only one king to sit on the throne of your life. And so Jesus, I mean, this is a conversation. So let me go to some conversations, some conversations with Jesus. The first encounter, rich young ruler. Uh, Jesus meets a rich young ruler. And, 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 and it says in Mark chapter 10, Mark 10, uh, 17, it says Jesus started on his way and a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher. Mm. There are many Christians who think of Jesus as a good teacher, by the way. They come on Sunday to their church to take notes because they believe that Jesus just wants them to learn good things. That's what they believe Christianity is about. Say, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus gave him an answer and says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. I really think Jesus was trying to throw him off. This young man was very sure of himself. And then he said something to him. He says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Jesus knows he does these things. It's just that he, he's drawing him in because he knows what he really wants to tell the man. And the man says, teacher, <laughs> I've done these things. All these I've kept since I was a boy. You can see how he's happy with himself. All these things, I'm my life is yours. I'm ready. And Jesus tells him, <laughs> Let's read this together. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have the treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Oh, well, wow. Now, for those of you who are rich, any rich people in the house? Amen. I've got some good news for you. This is the only person in scripture that Jesus ever says that to. So Jesus is not saying you shouldn't have money. Come on somebody, say amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't ever twist this and say you shouldn't be rich as a Christian. That's not what Jesus is saying. But he's looking at that man and he's looking at him and saying, yes, you've done great things, but there's an idol in your life. 
There's an area in your life that is not surrendered to me. In, 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 in the book that I wrote called Mizizi, I, I have a little cartoon of a guy called Kamau. And it's not a coincidence, Kenyans know why the name has to be Kamau. Uh, Kamau is being baptized. And as he's about to be baptized, the preacher says, Kamau, you understand that everything that goes in this water from now on belongs to Jesus. Are you ready? And Kamau says, yes. And the pastor says, now I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The next picture, Kamau is in the water, his hand is up, and the wallet is in the hand there. Because <laughs> he's like, dude, I get it, but this thing is not surrendered. And, and that's, there are some of us who are in that place. Where it's like, things are surrendered, but my money, don't mess with it. Don't tell me what to do with money. And, 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 and we're afraid. Money controls our lives. And if you're in that position, Jesus has one conversation with you. He loves you too much to let money destroy your life. And there are some people, by the way, God is saying, give up that money. Give up that money. Because that money is going to destroy your eternity. The Bible says, by the way, this rich young man, he, he actually walked away great, sadly because he had great wealth. And for some people, money will cause them never to see eternity. It will destroy their ability. But this is the only conversation Jesus has. He confronts the one area in this man's life where there is a stronghold. Another one is Nicodemus. He talks to Nicodemus. And the Bible tells us that Nicodemus comes to Jesus um, in the middle of the night. This guy is a member of the ruling council. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a smart guy. He comes at night and he comes to Jesus and says, uh, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. Because nobody could perform the signs you're doing if God was not with him. And it's like, yeah, we, you're, you're, you're incredible. He has to come at night. And he says, you're incredible. Jesus does not mess around with him. He just goes straight to the jugular. And he says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Now, here's the thing to understand. This is the only time in the scripture that that phrase, born again, is used. You'd never know it because that's what we use it all the time. But Jesus doesn't, he doesn't use it as a generic term for salvation. We say we are born again and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We just need to understand the, the history of the word. Jesus said it to one person, Nicodemus. Because what was Nicodemus' idol? Knowledge. Wisdom. Religion. Status. He was an educated man. The man had gone to the best schools. Everybody looked up to him. He was a leading a member of the Jewish ruling council. Everywhere he went, people gave him accolades. No wonder he showed up to Jesus at night. Yeah, he doesn't want to be seen. What will people think if an established great teacher like me comes to a young up more to say, surely you must have come from God because the things we're seeing at worship harvest. It takes humility to do that, doesn't it? It takes a lot of humility. Nicodemus did not have that. And Jesus says to him a very amazing thing. He says, unless you become born again. What is born again? It means you become foolish. That intellect of yours, it's going to stop you from seeing God. It's time for you to give up on your intellect. It's time for you to realize it does not make you better than anyone else. It's time for you to actually have a spiritual rebirth and start all over as a little child. Yes, you've been a religious leader, but now you're going to become six, back to nursery school. 
and become like a little child to inherit this kingdom of God. And we're never told whether Nicodemus, what Nicodemus' response was. But later on, at Jesus's, when Jesus dies, you actually find him there, which kind of gives you a sense that he actually overcame the barrier of his intellect. Some of us in this room are intellectuals. You're so smart. You're amazingly, incredibly intelligent. Look at your neighbor. Do they look intelligent? Uh-huh. No, no, no. Don't just say it to make them happy. There are some people who look intelligent. Yeah, there's some people, by the way, are so smart. They can think rings around you. Already, even as they're looking at you, they've already analyzed you. Just that one look on the side of their eyes. Yeah, they're smart. Even as they're hearing me in this message, their brain is a barrier to what the Holy Spirit is doing because they can already think of five, five things to object to what I've said right now. That brain you have was a gift from God. It's not yours. And God is saying, put it down. Put it down. Unless you're willing to become a little child, you will never... He doesn't say you will never become great in God's kingdom. He says you will never see the kingdom of God. In other words, you will not be saved. Even if you're a religious teacher. Because your intellect will actually come in the way. And I just thought, my goodness. Because I used to be like that. I'm, the, I'm a smart guy. I'm, I'm those guys who really... I used to pride myself as a smart guy. But I began to understand my intellect will often get in the way of the Holy Spirit working. And sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't look for smart people. He looks for obedient people. He looks for people who are willing to follow. Some of the people who are going to have the hardest struggle with following are the smart people around you. Yeah. I was so happy to see a doctor here who's saying, you know what? I'm following and I'm teaching people to follow. But there are many people who'd say, I went to medical school. I mean, I'm, do you know who I am? Yeah. Am I, am I lying? I have many doctor friends. They can be very, very snooty. Snooty. <laughs> they spent like nine years just qualifying. And it's like, who are you to tell me anything? Yeah. The Bible says, become a little child. And by the way, you understand, Nicodemus's challenge is not the rich young man's challenge. Jesus didn't tell the rich young man to become born again. Because that was not his problem. He already had solved that one. But for him... It's like your brain, that thing, that, that smart mind of yours will actually keep you from the kingdom of God. Okay, I'll give just a couple more examples and then I'm going to bring this thing to an end. Um, the most beautiful woman in the Bible. What's her name? Pastor Carol. No, she's not in the Bible. But she's the most beautiful. Okay, in the room. I'm not talking about in the room. I'm talking about in the Bible. Most beautiful woman in the Bible. Vashti, maybe. Esther, maybe. I actually think it's, we don't know her name. I call her Sam. And she lived in a city called Sychar. And Jesus was passing by that city. And it was a Samaritan city. And he found this woman at the well. I call her Sam because, she, <laughs> yeah, some of you will get it tomorrow. And so Sam is, she's, she's busy uh, collecting water. And Jesus says, give me some water to drink. She doesn't know he's engaging in a very important conversation. Like the whole son of man came from eternity, has been planning a conversation with this woman. And she doesn't know the encounter has come. Her time of encounter has come. And he says, give me a water, some water to drink. And she says, what are you asking me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We don't have this conversation. And he says, actually, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me. I mean, Jesus is so amazing. He draws people into conversation. Says if you knew, you'd be asking me and I'd be giving you living water. Ah, ah, ah. This living water, even our, even our ancestor, religious conversations. 
racial conversation, like all the barriers she can put up. But Jesus goes straight to the jugular. He says to her, go call your, go, go call your husband. He says, ah, sir, I have no husband. Now, here's the amazing thing. This is the, Jesus was surrounded by women, by the way. His ministry had many, he had many disciples who were women. Many. But this is the only time he ever says to a person in the scriptures, go call your husband and come back. What was Jesus pointing to in this woman's life? There was an idol. What was the idol? Yeah. She was in love with being in love. Yeah. By the way, do you know anybody who's in love with being in love? Have you ever known people like those? You've never known them when they're not in a relationship. For them, it's not even rebound. It's just bound, bound. It's like they, they move out of one relationship, they're in the next one. It's like, how is Samantha? Samantha, oh, Samantha, that was five months ago. I'm with Grace now. And it's like, they're always from one person to the next. You just don't, because they're in love with being in love. And that has become an idol in their life. And there are people like that, by the way, they just need to be affirmed by somebody else. It's like they're looking for love in all the wrong places. And that was some. Jesus says, yeah, you're right to say that. You've, got, you've had five husbands. And the one you're with is not even one of the five. And that's why, by the way, I'm convinced she was the most beautiful woman in the Bible. But let me tell you, in that patriarchal culture in the Bible, for a woman to have had five jamas in a small town, and then the sixth one she's with is even a new one who has moved in, she must have been a stunner. Like guys were lining up. And she knew it. And Jesus just rips through that and says, this is an inadequate source. He says, I'm the source. The water I give you will well up. That thing you've been hungry for, looking for in all these men, thinking they're the ones who will affirm you. When you get it from me, you will actually become a spring of living water. And you'll be walking around and people will just be drinking from you. You will no longer be begging people to come around you. People will be looking for you because of what you have in you. This is who she is. She becomes that. By the way, in the next instance, you see her bringing the whole town. Everybody has seen the transformation. They are following this woman. This, this formerly needy woman has now become a woman who is saving a whole town. Ah, there are some people in this house today who God is about to set free. Yeah. You will no longer run after men or women. They will chase you. They will want what you have. Yeah. This is what God calls you to be. And that's what he does with some. Some is no longer this woman craving to be affirmed by a man. I need to speak to the single people in this house. Let me say this. I, I pray. I pray for single people. That God will give you a spouse who will not be a time waster. That's my prayer for you. But here's the thing I want you to understand as I pray that. I pray that, that when that spouse comes, they will find a fulfilled person serving Jesus. Because if they don't, they will be marrying a time waster. You can't attract what you're not. If you are looking for a satisfied person who is complete in who they are, you have to be a satisfied person who is complete in who they are. You have to be that person who says to Jesus, Jesus, being single will never affect my love for you. Being single will never affect my effectiveness for you. 
it will never stop me from planting a DG or an MC. It will never stop me from being a location pastor. I can be all those things and more. And when that person comes, let them find me serving you. Let them become a companion in the vision you've called me to. Yes! Yeah. Too many single people put their lives on hold. Feeling inadequate. Waiting for the day that they'll be complete so they can serve God. Come on, somebody. If that was the case, why is Jesus single? Why was Jesus single? Why was the Apostle Paul single? <laughs> in fact, somebody, somebody put in my, in my I've got a, a group of very non-Christian friends that I went to high school with. And somebody put that yesterday, said, Jesus was single. Paul was single. The devil is single. What are they not telling us? <laughs> Listen, you don't need a spouse to serve God. You don't. Yeah, if you are not adequate right now and you marry somebody, you'll be two inadequate people married to each other. Yeah, and it's a horrible situation. Horrible. When you're two hungry people trying to feed, and this is what was going on for some in her relationship. It's like I'm trying to get from the other person. And they're also trying to get from me. It's like two ticks without a dog. Can, can, can you picture that? It's like a tick trying to get blood from another tick. There are many relationships that are like that today. Two ticks with no dog. And it's like, no, 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 no. I cannot be half and expect another person to make me full. In marriage, it is one plus one equals one. Yeah, it's not half plus half equals one. So if you cannot be complete in yourself in Christ, you will never be complete with a husband. Am I speaking to somebody in the house? Amen. Amen. Remind me at the end to pray for single people to get good spouses. Okay? I, I, by the way, that's a grace that Pastor Caro and I, I believe have. And so we want to pray for the single people in this house. But as we pray, you make sure your eyes are open. Huh? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously. By the way, let me just say the most genius thing that happens in, in, is that we are God's people in God's house. God has already brought you together. You're praying and the person is just next to you in ministry. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Last, at, it, 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 <coughs> you know, it's so funny because when, when, when uh, Pastor Aposomo sent, sent uh, Pastor Sam Chirabo, is Pastor Sam Chirabo in the house? <laughs> He sent him as an, as an intern to Mavuno Church for a year. And we thought the man was just praying. Ah, the man was watching. And, and, and he noticed one of the most beautiful girls in the house. And the next thing I knew, the woman had become a worship harvest location pastor. I'm like, ah, what is this? Yeah, it's a great church planting technique. He found, he went to a house and he found a beautiful woman. He told me, ah, can, can you stand so people see you? Ah, yeah, people need to see you're looking after her and she looks amazing. So that's my daughter there. That's how we became in-laws with Worship Harvest, by the way. Yeah. It, it strengthened our bones. And, and you know, we had to have a strategy meeting at Mavuno after that. And we said, surely. How? So we found a young man called Emmanuel Odera. Where is he? Is he around? 
Why is he not sitting next to the wife we found for him? Oh, he's a projector. Okay, he's doing, the, he's doing my projection for me. And, and we sent him to worship harvest on a mission trip. Actually, here's a crazy thing. At the wedding of Sam and Aggie, I said to my young men, Operation Open Eyes. <laughs> so, so, so Pastor, Pastor Imano found uh, passes, Pastor Passes. And they are now the, the newest location pastors of Mavuno Church, uh, Mavuno Church Langata. And the bond has just continued to strengthen. Next year, I will be sharing stories about some of you who have found other people in this place. So find that person as I pray for you. Open your eyes. All right, all right. Can I do one last one? Let me do one last one. And then I'll, and then I'll close. So, so here's a sobering thing. Every conversation Jesus has with people is a demand for surrender. There's no casual conversations with Jesus. He finds rebels who are standing against God, who are worshipping idols, and he goes to the heart of the matter and says, surrender. There's a, there's a, there's a, 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 my last story is a young, well, I don't know how young he was, but he was vertically challenged. Um, his, his name is Zacchaeus. Okay, sorry for all the guys who are in that place. Uh, he was... What's, what's, what's the way to say it? Just, we live in the 21st century, there must be another way to say it. <laughs> down to earth, down to earth. He was down to earth, thank you. It's a very down to earth man. <laughs> and, and, and he hears Jesus is coming to town. And he's, a, he's, a, he's this amazingly rich tax collector. And he's the guy who's feared in town. He's the guy you don't want to see. He's the... Uh, do you have URA? He's that agent. He's the guy who collects taxes and he's corrupt as they come. And he sees Jesus and he climbs up on a tree because he wants to see Jesus. The people are too tall, so he wants to get the advantage. He's a smart guy. And Jesus is passing. You know, I, I often am amazed that the maker of the universe, like I don't even, have you guys ever had an encounter with God? And then you think back to the fact that before the beginning of time, God knew he's going to be walking in a town. Because the Bible says Jesus looked up. Like I wonder if the angels were watching Zacchaeus. Maybe he's even about to fall and they're supporting him like his moment is coming. His encounter is coming. There's somebody whose encounter is in the house today. Angels have been preparing for you to be here for years. And they're so excited you're here. And so Jesus looks up in the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down. Today I'm eating in your house. And Zacchaeus, I mean, you can imagine how he feels. It's like the great prophet is in town. I never even thought he'd see me, let alone call me, let alone not know my name. And now he says, I'm eating in your house. Zacchaeus has a party, invites all his friends to come into that place. And he says, I'm, we're hosting Jesus. Like it can't have been immediate. I'm sure Jesus continued with ministry. Zacchaeus went to call the feast because you can't just be called and then you have a feast waiting. You know, it's like, yeah. So Jesus does ministry, comes in the evening and they're relaxing. And they're eating. And Zacchaeus is so moved. And Luke 19.8, he says, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus says a radical thing. He says, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. No, no, no. There's no sinner's prayer. There's no, there are no rituals to follow. 
This man had an idol. He has surrendered his idol. And in that instant, he is saved. Could it be that as a church, we've misunderstood salvation? Could it be that we've been teaching something that's not salvation? Because many times people give their lives to Jesus without giving their lives to Jesus. I'm saved, but my life is mine. And we've just not understood. No, that's not, there's nothing like that in the scripture. Jesus says salvation has come right there without any rituals. Because a man identified his idol and he surrendered that idol. And there's some of us who are in exactly that position. Maybe your business has been built on ways that are ungodly. There are things you've done. I've met people like that. I'm a Christian, but you know what? I had to do things. I had to take shortcuts. I had to give tenders. I had to do things to get government tenders. And my whole, and it's like people ask you, but how else can you survive in my industry? Or maybe Uganda is not like that. I know Kenya, Kenya, there's a lot of that. It's like the whole industry is corrupt. Like you can't succeed here if you don't take shortcuts. And they come to the house and you say to them, you know what? You have to surrender. Give it up. Zacchaeus doesn't know whether from that day on he'll be poor. He doesn't know how God will provide for his family. Have you thought about that? It's like he's giving it away because he knows it came from corruption. And it's like from today, I will build the way God asked me to build. And you know what? The Bible doesn't tell us what happens to him next. Maybe it's for us to fill in our imagination. But I suspect there's some of us that you need to climb off. And maybe the area you're holding on to in your business is an area that you know is not glorifying to God. And God is saying, listen, salvation comes in one way only. Give up your idols. Give up your idols. Giving up my idols, I surrender. I'm made whole in you. You You know that part? Let's sing it again. Giving up my freedom, I find freedom, free to follow you. Laying down my idols, I surrender, I'm made holy. Giving up my freedom, giving up my freedom, I find freedom, free to follow you. Laying down my idols, I surrender, I'm made holy. Listen, there's somebody in this house today that God is saying, today is your day of surrender. You have followed me without following me. And what you've been is religious because there's no following without surrender. If I don't have all of you, then I have none of you. If Christ will not have all of you, then he will have none of you. This is who he is. And he's saying the secret, the secret to God using you The secret to you seeing results in your life. The secret to God accelerating you beyond anything you've ever imagined. Oh my God. The secret to God speaking to somebody. There's somebody in this house you've been wondering, how come God doesn't speak to me? The secret is just in you giving up that idol. Saying, God, I surrender that marriage. I've been holding on to that marriage. I've been saying, God, I will only follow follow you if you give me this marriage. If my husband changes, if you help me be located by that husband, and God is saying, will you serve me if there's no husband? Will you serve me if your husband doesn't come to church? Will you serve me if, if, if you're alone in this? And God is saying, I'm going to, I, I want you to serve me like this. 
Listen, the only posture of receiving is a posture of surrender. Because when your fists are like this, you cannot receive. And for some of us, God has gifts that he wants to pour on us. But we come to him in prayer like this. We're like, Lord, God, God, give me, give me. And God is saying, I can't. Open your hand. Tell your neighbor, open your hand. Open your hand. Just surrender it. Surrender it. And so I want to pray for us right now. Hey, listen. Surrender leads you to a fear-free life. That's, a, that's what happens when you surrender. You will not fear people anymore. Some of you have been... Fear drives you. You fear what people think about you. You're so careful. You're in reputation management. You're always trying to manage how people think about Because you're always afraid of how you look. And God is saying, hey, just surrender. Let me remove fear from your life. Let me deal with fear in your life. That's a result of giving up. That free. When you give it up. God gives you a focused life. That's another thing that happens when you surrender. You get focus. From that time on, I stopped living for myself. Ah, the things I thought were important stopped being important. Being a rich pharmacist, I thought that was a big thing. My God, there are so many rich pharmacists that I lead today. God was saying, the thing you think is so big is so small compared to the thing I have for you. Listen to me, God's dreams for you are far greater than the dreams you have for yourself. Yeah. I've stood in stages across the world. I've spoken in places where I've thought, Why? How? How could a young African, still very young by the way, don't look at me like I'm old. How could this person be standing here addressing such eminent people? Like why? Like nobody in my village has ever been in a place like this. But listen, it has nothing to do with me. I don't work at it. I just follow. There's a great t-shirt that some people from Avuno are wearing. It says, I'm not smart. I'm just following. I'm not smart. I'm just following. I tell people at Mavuno, I've, I've learned the secret of wealth without sorrow. Some people are chasing wealth. They want to be wealthy. And I tell them, I'm a very wealthy person. I'm, I'm wealthy like Abraham was wealthy. I'm not lying. Spiti, am I lying? We're shocked at the wealth God has allowed to pass through our hands. We've never worked at it or conspired at it. Yes, we think. Yes, we plan. Yes, we are smart. We try to be straightforward financial growth think, thinking people. We do those things. But how many know that God's blessings will never be at the level of your wisdom if they are God's blessings? Actually, God wants to be a good manager of wealth to test your faithfulness. Because the one who is faithful with little will be entrusted with much. It's not wisdom that will give you wealth. It is just faithfulness. And then God says, this one is ready, and he does it. But it begins with surrender. When God knows I can put that money in your life, it will never destroy you. Yeah. If, God, if I had a billion dollars today, it would not change my lifestyle. Yeah, because even the millions I have right now haven't changed my lifestyle. Yeah, they haven't, and they won't. They'll just make me continue to flow. The generosity I have, I'll continue to have. But it's because my life is this way. And I'm not saying this to boast because you know when you're dead, you can't boast. There's nothing I do that is worthy. Everything I do comes from God. Everything. So he receives the credit and that's why there's no fear. Come on somebody, stand up right now to your feet. I believe the Lord wants somebody here to be delivered. You've been fearful of people. You've been fearful of what people think about you. But I believe today that is ending. 
because you're surrendering. I want to pray first for somebody in this house before I pray for everybody else who's not surrendered your life to Jesus. Ah, I know maybe you're in this church conference and it's so easy to assume that you've given your life to Jesus because you're here. But you know what? Maybe you came because there's a leadership conference and you heard about it. Or maybe you're here and you knew Jesus but you're no longer following him. Right now, if you think and you're really honest with yourself, you'd say, I'm, I'm living a backslidden life. But for the first time, it's become so clear to you why this is not religion. This is not something that you just do because people want you to do it. This is why you are created. This is a route to purpose and satisfaction. It's following this Jesus. And if you're here, wherever you are, I want to pray for you right now. It's going to be my privilege to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand real high. Don't be afraid of people around you. Just raise it up real high and then put it down again. Anybody in the house? I see some hands in the room. I see some hands in the room. I see some hands in the room. Anybody else? I see quite a few people on that side. Anybody on this side? Anybody else? I want to see you. I see somebody at the back as well. Come on, let's appreciate them. To God be the glory. Make a shout. I see somebody at the back there as well. Bless the Lord. I see people at the front. I see people in the top there. People in the balconies. Praise God for every single one of you. Come on, just raise it up. I want to see it. I'm going to pray for you in a minute, but I want you to raise it up boldly. This is not a person you're responding to. This is not a pastor you're responding to. You're responding to your father who's in the house. The one who made you. The one you're going to follow and he's going to help you become everything he created you to be. Just raise it up real high wherever you are. Bless the Lord. Let's appreciate them. Let me ask if you've raised your hand. Just come to the front. I want to pray for you. I see people at the back as well there. Just come to the front. If you're next to somebody like that, bring them up. Come with them. Oh, come on. My fo- come on. Come on. Transform. We can, we can give a big shout to Jesus. Hey, hey, encourage them. Come on, come on, come on. Don't be a coward. Be man enough. Be woman enough to live for the thing you are created for. Living for yourself is living for something too small. So just come and join them. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm so proud of these ones. Come on, I'm so grateful for every one of you. Praise God. Wow, wow, wow. Come on, shake my hand, young man. Bless the Lord for you. Bless the Lord for you. Bless the Lord for you. Wow, 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 wow. Bring them, bring them, bring them. Amen. Thank you, sister. Welcome, my goodness. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I know there are others, by the way. I sense there are others. This is your moment. Remember, I see my brother. Come on, let me shake your hand as well. Bless God for you, gentlemen. You know, it's interesting. Zacchaeus was on a tree. He didn't realize that from the beginning of eternity, angels had been planning for Jesus to walk into his town and look up and see him. And right now, the, the beating in your heart that you're feeling, my brother, my sister, I'm speaking to somebody in this house, the beating you're feeling is because God has an encounter planned for you today. Don't allow the devil to stop you from what he has for you. Come up, come up, come up, come up. I'm just giving a minute for somebody else who's in the house. This is your moment. There may never be another opportunity like this one. This is your moment. If you're up in the balcony, help me share with your neighbor. Ask them, is, this, is it you he could be talking to? Make sure your neighbor is a believer. Make sure that they are following Jesus. Just ask them for me. Don't be shy. You could be saving their life. Just ask them, could it be you? And maybe they are afraid I'll take you up. We're going to be nice to one another. I'm going to bring you up. And I bless God. Come on, there's so many people. Come, 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 come. Real quick. If this is you, help me just share with your neighbor. Is there somebody else I, I don't want them to miss before I just pray? I know my time is almost up. 
but it's important it's important enough that you're worth waiting for tell your neighbor you're worth waiting for oh bless the lord here she is i knew you're there bless the lord for you my sister you're worth waiting for you're worth waiting for i bless god for you amen amen i'm going to ask you to just put out your hands in front of yourself this is simply just a gesture of surrender i'm not just leading you to say a prayer but i'm leading you to surrender everything to your father from today your life is not yours but this is the best decision you could ever make as you follow him he is going to change your life you will never be the same again you are going to be everything god created you to be everything your generation will be blessed because of you and this prayer you're praying oh thank you so much for coming sister it's never too late by the way i'm doing this because i know there are some people who are still coming bless god bless god bless god for you so put out your hands in surrender and i'm just going to lead you in saying a prayer and everybody who's ever prayed this prayer join them in praying it dear jesus i come to you today to surrender my life to you to surrender my life to you from this day forward from this day forward all that i have all that i have all that i am all that i am all that i hope to be all that i hope to be i give them up to you i give them up to you come into my life come into my life take over management take over management from today forward I choose to follow you. I am your child. You are my father. I am yours. I will live for you every day of my life as you enable me to. I want you to put out your hand and just point up in the air. Point up in the air one finger and say this words. Say the, say devil. From today. From today. You and me. We are finished. We are finished. I am no longer in your kingdom. I'm no longer in your kingdom. I belong to the kingdom of light. I belong to the kingdom. You will have no influence over me. You are in trouble from today. You are in trouble. Because even my family is going to follow you. I am the first of many. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's appreciate them. Pastors at the back, if you could give them a hug for us, tell them welcome to the family. Bless God, bless God, bless God. Please follow. Please follow the the gentleman with a sign just briefly. He'll just give you a few tips or steps to take. Come on, let's appreciate them as they go. Come on, come on, come on, come on. God is so good. God is so faithful. God is so amazing. Bless the Lord. Woo! <laughs> Can you believe it? That from the beginning of time there was an encounter planned for these ones. that the angels were just waiting for them to come up. Yeah. Hey listen, I believe it's not just them. There's an encounter for you as well. Yeah. And right now there are people in this house God has been challenging you about areas of surrender. I want you to just take a moment right now and just lift up your voice and begin to surrender to your father. Surrender all that I am, all that I have, all that I hope to be. If there's anything specific that you know you've been holding on to, a situation in your life something that you've just been holding on to you've been saying god i'll follow you but this one no don't touch this one it's time for you to give it up i see people even on their knees saying god i surrender from today i'm yours from today i'm yours take it 100% i will follow you no questions asked 
When you ask jump, I'll only jump and I'll ask how high when I'm in the air. Because from today, I'm yours. A hundred percent. I will follow. I will follow. Bless you, Lord, for every prayer of surrender that is going up in this building. Thank you because of the genius of this decision. It's a thing Jesus came for. It's a thing that aligns us with our Father. It's a thing that allows the Holy Spirit to move unhindered in our lives. This genius of surrender. And I thank you that, Lord, in this house, there are men and women who are surrendering to you. And now I ask Holy Spirit, just come in your power. Come in your power right now and just fill your sons and daughters. Fill them with authority and wisdom. I'm speaking over somebody right now in this house. By the way, I sense there's somebody who has had a back pain for a while. And as you're surrendering right now, that stress that has been bringing that, it's gone. It's gone in Jesus' name. You're going to walk out of this room and you'll be shocked that you're going to be walking with no pain. It's not your companion in Jesus' name. And I sense that Jesus is in the business of healing right now. I just sense a faith in this house for healing. And so I just want to ask if you're here and you're sick, just raise your hand, whatever it is. Actually, put your hand on the place that is unwell. Just put on, that, put on the place that is unwell right now. We want to just trust Jesus is here. He's a healer and he's able to heal us. Father God, even as your people are surrendering, there are places where the enemy has had our sway that he has no business over. There are things we've been, we've been tolerating in our lives that we have no business tolerating. And right now, Lord, in the process of surrender, Lord, I just want to come with the authority you've given me as your son to speak on behalf of your children and to declare that, Lord, the enemy and his works are destroyed right now in Jesus' name. I declare over that headache and that migraine. I bind you right now, Satan. You will have no authority over God's children. I declare you're gone in Jesus' name. Gone right now. Is somebody right now, your migraine is going. It's gone. It's gone. You just even need to say thank you, Lord. It's gone. It's gone right now. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. I thank you right now. I sense there's somebody here who has struggled to conceive. Struggled to conceive. It's been a difficult journey for them. But Lord, I want to speak as your son right now and with the love you've given me for your children. And I declare by this time next year, there will be a testimony child. That when I come to transform next year, you will come up to me with that baby and you will share your testimony. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that you're here. As we follow you, Lord, you're a good God. You're a good God. I see some of you right now who are new in this church and who are going to be leading churches by this time next year. I don't know why, I just really sense that strongly that there are many of you that God is going to use to lead churches with many, many of your relatives inside. Not even with your relatives. And you'll be standing here to give MC testimony. Your relatives will be in that church. By the way, I sense there are some of you, your family has struggled with unbelief for years. But God is, because of this, this surrender you've done, you're about to see a wave of salvation come in your house. Your parents will follow you. They will be your church members. <laughs> oh yeah. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just sense that the Lord is also depositing some gifts. He's depositing some gifts right now. Yeah. Just receive it right now. I sense the Lord is depositing some gifts. And that there are some of you that God is going to start depositing some unusual gifts of power in your life. 
Yeah, it's not going to be because you've earned it or deserved it. It's because God is now free to do the thing he had been wanting to do for a long time in your surrendered life. And so Father, right now, I just speak your gift upon your people. I declare that Lord, your gift is falling on somebody right now. There's somebody who's just feeling the Lord's presence very strongly. And you're receiving a gift right now. Yeah, I just sense it. You're just feeling a trembling that has come over you. You don't know where it has come from. That's a gift of the Lord. Just say, thank you, Lord. I receive it. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're here. I speak over somebody who has been in darkness. I just sense darkness right now. But here's the thing about darkness. All you need to do is just strike a match and darkness dissipates. And I don't know whether that darkness, I sense it's a darkness of despair and depression. There's somebody who has been in a place of despair and depression and you've been carrying that weight for a while. It's been buckling on your shoulders. I declare right now the joy of the Lord is your strength. Receive God's joy. I declare that the joy of the Lord is your strength. I declare that the joy of the Lord is your strength. I dispel darkness in your life in Jesus' name. I declare right now you're feeling a lightness in your spirit. It's unexplainable. You're just feeling a lightness. It's not something you're manufacturing. It's something that's just coming over you. Your shoulders have been tired. They're even beginning to feel lighter right now. Even as we are in this place, you're feeling a joy you can't explain. Wow! I sense it right now. There's somebody, if that's you, just say amen right now. I sense there's somebody. The Lord is already doing that to you. Bless the Lord for you. And you're going to leave this place and people will not recognize you. Ah, even over lunch, people will wonder what happened to you. <laughs> joy, 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 joy. I call out joy in the house of God today, Lord. May your children rejoice. May your children be filled of gladness. May you just give them victory, Lord. May the joy of the Lord be their strength. Listen, there's someone, I just sense, there's someone who has been praying for victory and strength in your situation. And I sense the Lord is saying, I'm going to give you joy. And that joy will be your strength. You'll walk into your office. The situation may not be different, but you will be different. And that situation will no longer trouble you because you'll be focused. I declare over you the joy of the Lord is your strength today. Ah, victory, victory and joy in the house of God. And so Father, we just bless you. Come on, just say thank you to Jesus right now. Just receive whatever the Lord has empowered you with. Whatever He's poured over your head. Just begin to receive it. Your ministry is a ministry of joy. Your discipleship group, your MC is full of joy. Your church is full of joy. Your home, your children will call you blessed. They are full of joy. Father, we receive the gift of joy in the house of God. As we surrender, Lord, fill us with your presence. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your joy. May joy be our strength today. We bless you, Jesus. We honor you. We love you, Lord. Ah, ah, ah. Ah. Final prayer. Final prayer. Sorry. Fathers love to bless, by the way. It is the job of a father is to bless, isn't it? And so... All those who are single and praying for a godly spouse, come, just raise your hand where you are. Pastor Carol, just come up, come, come, come. 
here. We're just going to call out a godly, God-honoring spouse. But we're also going to call out godliness and God-honoringness in you. So just keep your hand up as Pastor Carol just releases that blessing. I thank you, Jesus, that you have given us as parents the responsibility to bless. I thank you that you've given us that responsibility uh, to cancel curses that are working in people's lives. And right now we want to cancel every curse that is operating in the lives of these men and women who desire to love you. But there is a block. There is a block. There is a work of Satan that has come to, uh, to, uh, to block uh, the, the desires, uh, to cause frustration. And Father, we remove that curse in the mighty name of Jesus and speak your blessing. We speak your blessing. We speak that spouse that whoever needs to be found is going to be found. Whoever's eyes need to be opened, they're going to be opened. And we speak that these marriages are to advance the kingdom of God. We speak that these marriages are missional in nature. We speak that these marriages are going to give you glory and they're going to give you honor. And I want to thank you that in your house there there is joy and there is peace and there is love uh, evermore. And that's what I speak over everybody here who desires a spouse. I release that blessing of an amazing marriage. I release that blessing, oh God, uh, of even marriage in, in itself. And I release this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.